<laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to Singularity One-on-One. Singularity One-on-One is a podcast feature of Singularity Weblog, where you can go and listen to it or download it in full. As you may already know, my name is Nicola, a.k.a. Socrates, and I am usually the man with the questions. Today, I have Rachel Haywire as my guest on the show. Rachel is a multimedia artist and writer currently residing in Los Angeles, California. She is the founder of the Human 2.0 Council, which is a transhumanist network of artists and students on the edge of society and media. Known for bridging the gap between the counterculture and academia, she founded the Extreme Futurist Festival, which is a two-day entertainment and tech convention focusing on radical performance and voices of the new evolution. Rachel, Rachel is also known as an anti-social media coach and considered a leading voice in digital media. She is credited for bringing DIY transhumanism into the mainstream. Hi, Rachel, and welcome to Singularity One-on-One. Hello. So, uh, after such, a, such an interesting introduction, um, let me uh, start with, with the first question. Um, what does it mean to be an anti-social media coach? I came up with the term anti-social media coach to work with people in social media whose brands were not necessarily mainstream. And I wanted to help people get their social media presences out there that were outside of the box. So I went by anti-social media coach, appealing to alternative business owners, small-time entrepreneurs who weren't really the best at conforming and just wanted to get their businesses out there without having to play the game. Uh, very interesting. And I, I've never uh, heard the term before. So you, you said you coined it yourself? I did. And, and how- It was a parody at first. I was just making fun of social media. And I said, well, we should have anti-social media. And then eventually <laughs> I just went by anti-social media coach and, you know, give it a go. Very interesting. So perhaps... We should uh, rewind a little bit back in time and start with how did you got to be interested first in transhumanism and issues such as the technological singularity? I've always been interested in transhumanism from a very early age. I just didn't know what transhumanism meant, but I'd always had an interest in transcending my body and improving myself through technology in gaining more abilities so I could enhance myself. I just didn't know it was transhumanism until pretty recently. I actually thought that transhumanism was cyberpunk for a while. And, you know, I thought transhumanism was more philosophical. I read a lot of Nietzsche when I was a kid, and I always just assumed that that's what transhumanism was. After meeting people in the singularity community, I realized that transhumanism was about the technological evolution and that it was almost like cyberpunk come to life without any of the dystopic sort of post-apocalyptic deal and more of just like, this is what's actually happening. This is what we're actually building now. And this is what's being created. And that's when I took a really big interest because I realized that transhumanism wasn't just a sci-fi novel or a philosophical concept. It was what was happening in the future, AKA now. So, can you perhaps elaborate a little bit more about the differences between cyberpunk and transhumanism um, and so on? Yeah. Cyberpunk is a literary genre 
I'd say that William Gibson is probably the most known cyberpunk author. Also, Neil Stevenson. Um, but I think Philip K. Dick had a lot of cyberpunk themes, too. And cyberpunk is a fantasy. It's usually very dystopic. And it's about futuristic scenarios that are created maybe to bring social awareness. Um, like a, a lot of dystopia, for example, it critiques modern day society. And it talks about the dangers of what technology could do. And a lot of cyberpunk will even go into, you know, robot wars and that kind of thing. Um, <laughs> there's also a lot of heavily, um, I guess I want to say like Orwellian themes in cyberpunk. You know, a lot of people, they say, I love the book of Neuromancer, but I would never want to actually go through that. And that, that's what I would say. I, I agree with that. I mean, Neuromancer is a great book, but I don't want that to be my future. And yeah, that, cyberpunk is a fantasy. Transhumanism is what we're doing. Very interesting. Uh, I would like to sort of focus our interview today predominantly on your work. Uh, because it's very unique and very different. It, it ba literally stands out. Um, but perhaps the best way to begin that would be to, to, to ask you um, this kind of a question. In your own words, who is Rachel Haywire? Are you a singular singularitarian, a transhumanist, a cyberpunk, a biohacker, a musician, a writer, an artist? I am all of those, but I'm really just me. My identity changes every day. Every day? I tend to define myself based on my experiences, and I am constantly evolving. So every day, I'm a new person. But if I had to sum up who is Rachel Haywire in one sentence, I'd call myself an extreme futurist. Extreme futurist. That's, that's very interesting. So. Uh, how does this connect with the Extreme Future Fest that uh, you're organizing with uh, Michael Anisimov and, and, and others? Or, I mean, why don't you just My, tell, us, tell us a little more about actually, the Extreme Future Fest? Okay, it's actually just me and Michael. We've done all of this ourselves. And, yeah, we've been working really, really hard on this. And, you know, having only two people work on an event, you do everything. So we've just been working our asses off. And I originally defined myself as an extreme futurist because I feel that that kind of fits me in terms of what I'm about. I want to see the future taken to the extreme. I'm very inspired by the early futurist movement in Italy, and I'd like to apply futurism to modern day. Now, now let me just... Um grab one point here that you just met. Did you say the early futurist movement in Italy? Yeah, the Italian futurist movement. Writers like Marionetti and musicians like Luigi Rosolo who were composing noise. Mm -hmm. It wasn't called noise music then, but they were making music out of found objects and random samples of things that they encountered every day in society. And, and what, what would you say to those critics who say that, for example, Marinetti was a known fascist? I would say that I strongly disagree with fascism. I've been fighting against fascism as a Jewish musician for some time. I run a group called Brandt. It stands for Ribbit Heads Against Nazi Thugs, and the purpose is to 
get fascist out of the industrial subculture. I'd say that fascism is not something that I want. I'm anti-fascism. And just because somebody is a fascist does not mean that they don't have good ideas that are not fascist. Marinetti's ideas on futurism were not genocidal. That's very interesting. So in your, in your opinion, there's no contradiction there. You can still embrace some ideas and uh, refuse others. In other words... Yeah. That's interesting. So, so then, uh, I wonder, doesn't that lead us to... I think it was Cicero who said, do as I say and don't do as I do. Isn't, isn't there a kind of a hypocrisy in a way? Yeah, I think there is. And as long as you're not hurting anybody, if you support an idea that was connected to fascism, um, it's unfair to be labeled as a fascist because you would have to get rid of anybody who supported IBM computers. Uh, these people that are into IBM computers, well, IBM was one of the biggest com um, one of the biggest companies that the Nazis worked with. You know, um, you can still be into these things without being a fascist yourself. I'd say that, um, if anything, we should be redefining futurism and getting rid of the fascist element because we have the time to make futurism something better now without the technology that we have. Okay, uh, let's move on a little bit more in depth about uh, the event. Uh, why don't you tell us when is the date and what are details? What are the details? Uh, for all the people who may be interested in attending. And what is the general goal, program, etc.? Cool. So the event is actually happening in less than a week. It's on the 16th and the 17th of this month. And that's right here in L.A. The hotel that we have is um, it's in Marina Del Rey. And it's the Courtyard Marriott. And it's a really beautiful hotel. And the first day, we're actually having it at the art mansion that Daniel Finfer runs and it's a really beautiful art space and there are a lot of paintings there and we're having a pool party over there too. So Friday the first day we're having a pool party. We're having a cyborg fashion show and we're also screening Transcendent Man, the Ray Kurzweil film. And it's kind of like the meet and greet day on Friday. Everybody's going to be talking and getting to know each other. And Saturday at the Courtyard Marriott, that's going to be where all of the speakers and the bands are. Now we have a lot of speakers and we have a lot of bands. We're going to have speakers first. And if you go to extremefuturesfest.info and you click on program, you can see the lineup that we have. Who are some of the headliners that uh, are coming to speak and present at, at your event? Well, we have a few headliners. Our main headliner for the speakers is Natasha Vidamore, who I'm sure you guys have heard of. She was the one who created the Primo Man, and she blends fashion and art and technology. So she's been a huge inspiration to me. And she's also the chairwoman of Humanity Plus. And Kim Celeste is going to be there too. He's a member of IET. Randall Cohn is going to be speaking, Alex Peek from Primer Labs, Kevin Fisher, Michael Borgatti, and that, those are some of the speakers. And for the bands, we have Hanina Elias from Atari Teenage Riot, 
She was the lead of Tartina Dryad. They're one of my favorite bands growing up. And we also have Luke Poole, who should be absolutely amazing. He's going to be doing some really weird futuristic LED, crazy, crazy fun stuff. And we have Julie Destroy. She's a Gabber breakcore artist. Johan S. He calls himself Mutant Dubstep. So that should be really fun. And there's just a, so much, but there's a really diverse lineup here. Citizens Teen and Malfactor are going to be playing, and they're two of the more industrial bands, and they really epitomize the futurist aesthetic with their music and their style. And, so, so um, the, yeah, the formal bunch. part of the, or the, the more formal part of the, of the event would be the next two days or, or just on Saturday? The formal part of the event will be on Saturday. Friday will be everybody's getting to know each other, pool party, fashion show, film screening, and we're going to have vendors for both days. We have, if you guys are familiar with research publications, they're going to be vending. They're pretty much known as um, like the counterculture go-to in terms of like fringe San Francisco culture. By the way, um, when I told my wife that I'm interviewing you today, she said, great, I'm very happy because after Natasha Vitamore, you haven't interviewed any other woman and you need to get more women on your show because you don't have enough female voice there. So, so and, and I agree entirely with that, but my reply to her was, well, basically I try to interview anyone that I can um, who has relevance uh, to, to, to the interest of my viewers. Um, what would you say about women and transhumanism in general? Why uh, is it true to say that there's few of you uh, uh, that they're underrepresented, generally speaking? Unfortunately, yes, there are not very many women in transhumanism, and I feel very, I guess, isolated because the majority of people that I talk to these days that have the same interests as me are men. I do my job in trying to bring other women into transhumanism, especially the younger generation. There are a lot of women that are into transhumanism that might not know as much about it. And I try to be kind of like their gateway drug and I try to introduce them. And, you know, hopefully more women will be into transhumanism soon. Um, there's also an argument that transhumanism knows no gender mm -hmm. and that it's beyond gender. So gender really doesn't matter. Because, you know, like after the singularity, how much is Afterwards, really for sure, but until then... And until then, I'm doing my job to get as many women together. So how many women do you have for your event, for example? Um, let me see. Well, Noise is one of the bands that's playing, and she is an alternative sort of rock kind of punk guitarist synthesizer player. And, you know, she's doing solo all-female stuff. And... Also, Hanit Elias, our musical headliner, is another woman. And she actually, she started Digital Hardcore Recordings, which was a record label that had a lot of female-fronted acts. And Julie Destroy, she was on the compilation for my record label, Machine K Records. And my record label is actually an all-female industrial label. And, you know, there's a lot of parallels between industrial and transhumanism. So I'm hoping that women that are into industrial will take more of an interest in transhumanism. And, um, yeah, it's funny because Natasha Vitamore is speaking at our event, too. And, you know, we have me, her, like, for speakers. And we also have Kate, Kate McCollum, who's another woman. And she's going to be speaking at our event, too. 
So, you know, we, we might not be the majority, but we're out there. That yeah, and you clearly did a much better job than me finding finding uh, the, 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 the female representation there, definitely. Um, you know, there's um, always time to find more women. I, I know of a woman, she's actually, I, I wouldn't want to define her by gender, because a lot of trans women, is, they don't even subscribe to gender binary concepts. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And she goes by Kanea Sensu. Yeah. And she's very radical. She wants to actually transform herself into her second life avatar through technology. So she's going all the way. And yeah. I saw her do a presentation in Minnesota for a transgender conference. And she talked about transhumanism in her talk. And it was a really great talk. Yeah, Kinea is uh, one of my Facebook friends, and she's also a reader of Singularity Weblog. So she hopefully would uh, hear that podcast because she she she's uh, she's one of my viewers and listeners too. So so is the sort of focus uh, of 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 the Extreme Future Fest more artistic, or is it more intellectual? Would you say? I'm not going to say that it's more of either, because the point is that it's both. It's artistic and intellectual. The art is intellectual, and the intellect is artistic. Oh, that's a very beautiful way of putting it. I like it. Yeah, I'd say like for every speaker, they have something artistic about what they're speaking on. And for every band or performer, there's something transhumanist related to their act. And it's all the profusion. I see. Very interesting. So, so is that what makes uh, your event so unique? Uh, because it's the only one which sort of bridges the gap, or, or even an abyss, you can call it, between academia, which is very formal, very sort of conservative, if you will, and then art, which always pushes the envelope. Yeah, I mean, we're definitely the first event like this in America, but interestingly enough, I just got an email, me and Michael, we got an email from somebody in the Netherlands, and they had an event a year ago. This event is called Go Go Bot, mm -hmm. and they actually, they booked Natasha Vitamore and Alec Empire from Atari Teenage Riot, so they were doing something really similar to what we're doing now. I wish there was more of this in America. Hopefully, with Extreme Futures Fest, we can be an influence and more festivals like this will start happening, especially in 2012, you know? Yeah, I was going to say that I suspect that there may be some uh, little places in, in Netherlands and in Germany and perhaps in places like Japan, which uh, have sort of congregated around very similar ideas such as this. Uh, I mean, for one thing, William Gibson is very popular in, in all of those places. So, um, and transhumanism and, and uh, industrial music and stuff and so on. So, um, I think there would be a lot of commonality. A at least they would be perhaps a fertile ground for finding, uh, uh, you know, more, more people to, to join the movement. <laughs> Definitely. I think the big problem here, I refer to it as poverty of the working class intelligentsia. It seems like the musicians that are really interested in transhumanism can't always afford to go to the transhumanist conferences. And that's why we have tickets for only $40 and we have student tickets for only $30. We want to make it so no matter how poor you have, I mean, sorry, 
we want to make it so no matter how poor you are, you can still come to our event. That's why we have volunteers. And we want to get rid of the class barrier. Because just because somebody doesn't have a lot of money doesn't mean they don't have anything interesting to contribute. And, you know, maybe through showing that transhumanists are not just upper class, wealthy individuals, we can bring more people into the movement. Because I know a lot of musicians, they think that all transhumanists are like these rich academics and they're afraid they'll reject them, you know, and that they're too weird for them. And I, I think that's silly. I don't think that anybody's too weird for anybody in transhumanism. I think part of being interested in transhumanism is being a little weird. You have to be a little weird to want to transcend humanity. I, I entirely agree with that. And, and so let me ask you this then. Um, is there an overarching theme um, or another way of asking this question would be, uh, is there a, an overall motivation that spans across all the different things that you do that, that, that sort of is the common thread between your music, your writing, this event that you're organizing now, um, and so on? I would say yes. My main thing is to unite the others. I first heard the phrase, find the others, from Timothy Leary. And it was talked about later in comic books, like The Invisibles. Robert Anton Wilson mentioned it. And there's always been like this desire in the counterculture to find the others. So my goal is to unite the others in the future. Very interesting. And, and, and why? What, what, what would change if that were to happen? Ooh, that's a good question. I mean, honestly, the possibilities are endless. Hopefully, with the technology that's available through synthetic biology and artificial intelligence, people with similar minds will be able to create, create things together. And like-minded individuals will be able to make the future a better place. And, you know, the more of us that unite, the more we can start working together in science and tech and you know, making the new evolution happen ourselves. For me, part of being a transhumanist is directly participating in evolution. It's not just something that will happen, it's something that we're creating. So let, let's unpack this term a little bit more if we can. Directly participating in evolution. Do you mean uh, do-it-yourself kind of style? Uh, yeah. Artistically I mean, self-creating or? Very much, very much. Um, Biohacking is a really good way to participate directly. I know of this one artist, um, she goes by, I think it's Left, and she's a huge biohacker who's been doing this for ages. And I have a few friends that actually do the biomechanical implants. Now, right now, they're just for fashion, but it's only a matter of time before the fashion becomes a side issue and the real issue is improvement. Of oneself. You see, I, I I get that, and and I'm all for it. The problem with me is, and and it's kind of a strange paradox. You know, I'm an early adopter of technology in anything and everything. I get the latest software, the latest hardware, whenever I can afford to do so. But when it comes to biohacking my own body, I want a proof of concept first. I want to make sure it works. I want to make sure it's safe. And I want to make sure that, you know, uh, it's done in an environment in which chances of something going wrong, wrong are, are brought to a minimum. And only then would I be willing to consider it. Uh, 
don't you don't you feel like there's a certain kind of a risk and i mean very serious um physical risk i do and even see i actually i had transdermal implants i had two in my face and those receded in a year so and i've heard some really scary stories of people who got body modifications and they they, they didn't work too well so there's definitely a risk, and this is why I think that we need a lot more studying, and we need a lot more research, and even funding for body modification. And instead of looking at it as fashion, let's look at it as healing our bodies. Let's look at it as improving our bodies. Then we could actually get bigger organizations to show some backing for biohacking, and then it won't just be like some punk thing. It'll be something that people do to accentuate themselves and you know um, ever, everything from biomechanical arms um, everything from like people in wheelchairs that can have biomechanical legs that that's biohacking too so it's a mixed bag and yeah we, we need more funding and support for biohacking yeah I, I personally have been more interested in about enhancing rather than making a fashion statement for me it's all about yeah. uh, getting cer certain kind of um, extra capabilities that are biologically impossible at the moment. So let me ask you this. If you had a free hand uh, of totally enhancing your own self, uh, what would you want to do? That's a good question. I, and I agree, by the way, about how fashion is secondary. I mean, I'm really into fashion, but I don't like the idea of people just getting bio-augmentation so they can make a fashion statement when there are people all over that need them for their health. Mm -hmm. And the first thing that I would do is get a memory device so I could remember things better. I'd also get an internal GPS so <laughs> I could have a better sense of direction. I actually have directional dyslexia. It's absolutely horrible. And I would also get a voice changer. I'd like to be able to lower my voice so I can sound um, more more deep and serious. Um, <laughs> I, I want to do that. Um, I, I want to do a lot of things. It would be great to teleport. I know that's not going to happen anytime soon, but you know, if I could like choose any bio augmentation, I'd get a little teleporter. That's definitely. Yeah. Oh, uh, and one, one more answer. Sure. I want wings. I want to fly. Oh wow. Okay. You want to fly. That's interesting. I, I think actually many people would like to fly, but isn't it sufficient to fly in an airplane or something like that? <laughs> no. See, being able to control your own flying would be the ultimate dream for me. And, you know, there's a lot of people that feel very bounded by their bodies, obviously myself included. And being able to fly, it would almost be like having a lucid dream, you know, not really adhering to the rules of gravity. Um, and, you know, it's like the ultimate way to get beyond your body, to fly. It's like freedom, ultimate freedom, you know. So let me ask you this then. Is biohacking the best way of um, sort of preparing for the singularity? No. I, I don't think it's fair to say that anything is the best way to prepare for the singularity. Mm -hmm. I, I'd say that biohacking is just one aspect. So, so... Yeah, I would, I would agree with you that, that we can't really say what's the best way to, to prepare for the singularity. And then on the other hand, does that mean that we should just sit passively and do nothing? No, no. Like I said, 
active participation in evolution. And, you know, whether that is doing scientific experiments, um, whether you're an actual scientist or not, you can still experiment. I mean, on my iPad, I have programs that allow me to simulate clones that allow me to play around with genetics and DNA. I can actually alter DNA with some of the programs on my iPad. And I can do that without having a degree. Mm -hmm. So if you could change your own DNA, what would you change first? I'd get rid of all physical problems that I have. I have very bad posture and I'm very awkward and very off balance. I'd want to be more like a ballerina. I'd want to be more like a swan. I want to have um, more fluidity in my body. After finding transhumanism, I realized that there are so many people that were actively working to improve the human condition. And it made it seem like all the things that I suffered from in the past, those were things that I could cure myself of in the future. And I'm not saying that's going to happen overnight. I might not see it. I might not live to see it. It might happen when I'm 50. But it gives me a lot of hope for humanity that will be able to transcend our physical problems. You know, I have to say that uh, you're incredibly courageous um, in admitting all of these, um, uh, you know, very personal details uh, during our interview, which is on the record, as you know, and will be published on YouTube and on iTunes and so on. Um, do you not have any fear about that coming out? I'm actually... Trying to, how do I put this? I don't want to be known for my personal issues, but I also like reaching out to people who might have similar personal issues. And I want them to say, if she's doing this, I can too. So I, I don't want to be known for my personal issues, but I want to inspire people. I want to be known for my work. I want to be known for what I create. Well, uh, you know, let me say, you're inspiring me right now, I mean, because that's very impressive. I mean, it's, it's very courageous. Not very often you see somebody who is willing to, to be so honest and straightforward. Um, and I really appreciate that. And, and I think our viewers and, and, and your, your fans will appreciate it. So let me ask you this then. Um, going towards the singularity, do you think that an event such as the singularity would be able to resolve those uh, biological problems, Asperger's, autism, etc. Well, I just want to make it clear that I don't think that Asperger's is something to resolve. I think that there are parts of it that we could um, actually use to enhance ourselves. For example, neurotypicals, they don't have the hyperfocus that people on the autistic spectrum do, and they don't have the ability to really, really zoom in on something as objectively as people on the spectrum. And they're also very focused on, I guess, um, social manners, which can be a good thing, but it can also make them miss what's going on in their head because they're so focused on the social day-to-day -day that they might not create as much or invent as much. So, I mean, there's a big neurodiversity movement, which is all about not looking at Asperger's as a disease, but looking at it as just an alternative way of being the world. 
Um, but that being said, there are a lot of physical problems with it that I'd like to see disappear. And I definitely think that with the singularity and nanotechnology, that physical problems associated with Asperger's, um, even things like HIV and cancer, that all, all of these things are going to be a thing of the past. Fascinating. So, uh, let me ask you this. Where can our viewers and listeners find out more information about you and your work? What's the best place? I would say go to extremefuturesfest.info and you can check out the festival that I'm doing. Um, if you really want to find out about me, come to the event. It's happening in less than a week. It's in LA. Um, you can go to my website. It's at experimenthaywire.com and you can hear a lot of my music there and you can see my blogs. You can also follow me on Twitter as Rachel Haywire and I will follow you back if you're not a spam bot. <laughs> Rachel, we're bringing our interview to a close here, but let me ask you the traditional last question that I ask of all my guests on the show. What is the one thing or, or the one single message that you would like our viewers and listeners to take away from this interview with you today? Just because you are smart doesn't mean that you can't be cultured, and just because you're cultured doesn't mean that you can't be smart. There is intelligence and artistic merit, and those two things should, can, and do exist at the same time. Wow. That was very well said. Rachel, thank you very much for taking your time to be on Singularity One-on-One -on -one today. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. Thank you.